always be integrity-based business. Do what you say you're going to do and be transparent. Don't be afraid to share information to people that makes them feel more comfortable about your business. It's that time of year again, tax season. How are you doing on tax season? How's that treating you so far? Well, if you have a lot of receipts and you're organizing things like your income and expenses and creating reports, and you're also trying to keep up to date with the new tax reform this year, there's a lot of deductions that we can take to maximize return. And there's a lot of strategies that we need to make sure we're aware of. Are you optimizing for new tax laws? Well, our sponsor, Stessa, teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you the ultimate rental property tax guide in I've read it. This is the ultimate rental property tax guide. I'm talking about they've got everything covered from opportunity zones to entity selection to establishing a home office, travel expenses, what type of travel expenses are deductible, real estate strategies, tax strategies, capital improvements versus repairs. I mean, this is the ultimate rental property tax guide. And you can get it for free by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. You have to sign up for an account, but the account is free. So when you sign up for a free Stessa account, you will get this guide. This is worth its weight in gold for sure. Go to stessa.com, S-T-E-S-S-A.com forward slash best taxes. And when you work with Stessa, Stessa is a tool that helps every rental property owner track, manage, and communicate the performance of our real estate investment. So it's going to save a lot of time during tax season, but then also through the rest of the season as we go and grow our rental portfolio and optimize that. So go to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. Get that ultimate rental property tax guide. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today. John Rubino. How you doing, John? I'm great, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you and your best ever listeners. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation and I'm grateful you're on the show. A little bit about John. He is the chief operating officer and founder of JID Investments, which among many responsibilities, John raises private capital for projects, which has resulted in investment of $16.6 million with a revenue of $8.9 million. Based in Washington, D.C., website is jidinvestments.com. That will also be in the show notes page. So with that being said, John, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely, Joe. I'd be honored to. Again, thanks for having me on. I've been in real estate for about 15 years, but before and while I was in real estate, I was active duty Navy for about 20 years. I just retired back in February of 2017. I was a pilot. And during a tour down in Southern Maryland, I started to learn real estate. I got started with a great mentor of mine that I learned from, I worked with, and I started in new construction property where I would come in and, again, bring in the private money as well as oversee the construction. And that's how I kind of got my start. Uh, I started looking at doing some rehab properties and other types of investment opportunities. And at that time, I was about ready to go overseas for a tour in Italy with my family. So I decided to take a good chunk of the money that I earned during that time. And I started investing passively. So I learned quite a bit 
as an active investor. And then I started to invest a bit as a private investor. So passively over a seven year period, I got 10% annualized on some great projects with some great people that I invested with. Fast forward to 2013, I got back from a three-year tour down in Texas as an instructor pilot, moved to DC and stationed at the Pentagon. And, and I knew I was coming up on the end of my time in Navy Joe. So I kind of said to myself, what's the next chapter hold for me? Do I want to go and be a government employee and a contractor, which is you know very respectful and there's options there, but I really liked real estate and I wanted to stay in real estate. And I started meeting some really great people in the local area here, DC, biggest market in the area. You got three major markets, DC, Maryland, Virginia. I started networking and I just did what I do best, which is really just get to know people and, and build relationships. And the next thing you know, I said to myself, you know, I'm pretty good at this. I like real estate. I'm going to start a business up. And the good news is I talked to the right people before I really jumped forward and they helped me plan for it. And they put me with the right people that I knew, Robert De Niro Circle of Trust, Meet the Fockers. Yep, yep. And they really helped me take the business to another level. One of the best moves I made was working with my accountant at the time, who's now our chief financial officer, David Schatz, who's down Hilton Head. And David and I together over the last five, six years, doing it part-time, Joe, just put together this business. And we started small, building the website, taking some time to put together our plan and our strategy. And then the next thing we did is we went out to some really close friends and family that were in real estate for 30, 40, 50 years to really beat us up in a good way. And when they gave us all the paperwork back to then launch the business, they held on to it pretty tight. And we said, hey, give that back to us. And they said, make sure when you guys start this thing, we're your first investors. And we said, holy cow, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we got started. And to date, we've completed 15 great projects. Again, with actual revenue, realized of about two and a quarter million dollars with about six and a half million invested. And that was why I was in the Navy for the most part. Now that I'm doing this full time, I'm actually able to go out and really focus on investor relations and working with new companies. And really, Joe, to be honest, our objectives for our business is pretty easy. We go out and we look for developers and sponsors that need our money, borrowers that we can help. We spend a lot of time getting to know them and building a great relationship with them because I feel that's the foundation. And then we bring in capital from our investors. And our investors are really people that we know and that have been friends and family, but also now reaching out to us from across the country, accredited investors, ultra high net worth investors, family offices. So that's been great. And that's really been our strategy to date. Okay. So you and your CFO, who was your accountant yeah, before? David. David, okay. David are not doing the projects. You are matching up your money and your investor's money, and you're bringing that to a sponsor who has a project or a developer has a project, and you're investing alongside your investors into those projects. Is that accurate? That's absolutely right. We kind of raise that capital. We bring it to these projects, but we're we're active in a sense because David and I do all of the due diligence. We do the market analysis. We work with the sponsors and the sponsors are almost very close friends. We get to know them to the point where, again, there's a very large trust factor there and the relationships we built have made the experiences, the deals we've done very successful based off of that special extra care that you get from those relationships. Backtracking to when you were talking about when you were working in new construction and you were bringing in private money and overseeing the construction 
projects. Mm -hmm. How many years ago was that? That was about 15 years ago. That was back in about 2003, 2004 timeframe. Okay. And you were just starting, you were just starting out from real estate standpoint, correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. How did you bring in private money when you were just starting out 15 years ago? Well, a lot of it was my own money from savings, but I did have some family members that I talked to that were interested and was able to structure it in a way that was like a partnership, just like an LLC. And we brought the money in again as equity, but I would be the one that would sign as a personal guarantor on the debt. And that allowed the builder obviously to come in and to build the project. So a little more active in that world where I am now, which is more passive, we're more of a limited partner. I'm not making decisions on the project site, but I do have a vested interest as being the owner of the company who has the private money in the deals. And then your accountant, and these are completely separate questions, but I'm just going with the timeline as you were talking. You said David used to be your accountant and now he's a CFO. Did he approach you or you approach him about him leaving his firm and becoming a business partner? No, I approached him. He was my accountant, like I said, back starting in 08. I approached him and he actually still has his practice. So he does this kind of part time and I do it full time, uh, kind of the operation side. And then David manages the finances along with his accounting firm. Okay. So he still works in his business, but has come on board and really kind of given us the finance side that we need. He does the taxes for our investors. He does all of our statements for our investors. And he brings in a level of expertise and experience that has been fantastic and has been a great blend for our business. Since he currently is at his practice and he's also partnering with you, what's the advantage of having him as a partner with you versus a paid consultant that you would pay to do your taxes and pay by the hour to consult on your business financially? That's a good question. Financially and having it someone with his expertise and background allows me the freedom to really go out and do what I do best, which is grow the business through a new partnership, grow the business through bringing on new investors. And again, he handles a lot of the finances. He's also very active in his community to help us bring in new investors. His skills for our analysis on the due diligence is fantastic. So we rely on each other's strengths. Mine being more of that operations, go out, find the new businesses. Again, since I'm up here in the DC market, find and work with great new investment companies and, and individuals that want to work with us. And David's doing the same down in the Southern markets, down in Hilton Head and through his connections down and his networking down in that market. So yes, he's kind of doing his practice still full-time as well as working with our business part-time, but he devotes the necessary time and effort into his role as a CFO for our business amazingly. And it's gotten us to where we are today. It's interesting because I've had thoughts of recruiting an accountant over to my team and I've been toying back and forth with pros and cons. So I was selfishly asking you that question. <laughs> oh, no, like, that's fine. I'm, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. And it's important, I think, to have someone like that because, again, they can handle a lot of the finances. He does the K-1 statements. He does the 1099s. He does all the financials. So, again, Joe, I oversee that a lot because we back each other up. But at the same time, it does take a lot of pressure off of me 
to go out and focus on my strengths, which is the networking, the investor relations, going out to the projects, visiting with the executives and the presidents of these companies we work with. So that's where it really helps me. Speaking of the projects, what was the last project you and your investors participated in? Well, we have four active projects right now. Three are in Washington, D.C., and one is down in Atlanta, Georgia. The projects up in D.C. range from mixed-use, residential and commercial, ranging from anywhere from 70-plus condos with retail space on the ground floor, 2,000 to 5,000 square feet. We have a commercial deal in D.C. that's about six and a half acres of land that we came in on as a equity partner as part of a large-scale two million-plus development for commercial office, retail, and a little bit of multifamily. So those four projects have us at about $10 million plus in managed equity across the four. And I'm sure your best ever listeners are familiar, and I'm sure you are with Opportunity Zones. The three projects we're managing equity on right now in D.C. are all in Opportunity Zones. They're not designated as Opportunity Zone funds, but they are located inside of that federal designation of an Opportunity Zone. So those are the four we're overseeing right now. Very large projects. Anywhere from, I'd say, a million and a half up to about four and a half million dollars of equity raised per project. And we're involved in these projects from the start when we go in for acquisition and development all the way through completion. So construction, out sale, and most of these projects are sold on the back end. We don't typically stay on projects for cash flow, especially in the DC market, but we're getting there though. So of the four Let's pick the first one. And when I say the first one, I mean the one that you've had the longest. So which one is that of the four? We have a project down in Southwest DC, right by the new soccer stadium, DC United Soccer Stadium, and right down the road from the Washington Nationals Baseball Stadium. It's an area called Buzzard Point, and it's seeing a major regentrification right now. It's exploding. There's some major players down there. The project we have is on about two acres of land right off of the Anacostia River. It's a six-story project with 110 condos at about 3,000 square feet of main floor retail. And our plan is we're in construction right now. We've been in the project for about three years. we got about another year and a half to go. And the plan for that would be a complete outsale of the 110 condos and the retail space. And we brought in about $4.5 million of equity from the start of the purchase of the land because it was raw land that was entitled zoned and then developed to now being built into the six-story residential mixed-use space. That's going to end up being 110 condos and 3,000 square feet of retail, right? Once all is said and done. That's correct. Okay. When all is said and done, we're we're in construction right now and we go to pre-sales this spring. And it's amazing because like I said, it's in an opportunity zone. We just had the announcement that half of Amazon HQ2 is coming. So We are really excited about this opportunity. Yeah, that sounds like a a perfect storm for you. So how do you structure that with the other general partner in terms of the equity breakdown for ownership on the GP or LP side? Yeah, I'll go through this real quick. But the way we do it is we go out to our investors that have been approved in our company. We put together the documentation that we send forward after we do our due diligence on the projects. And what I tend to do is I give them an initial email or introduction letter on the project. I follow it up with an internal project offering that David and I build that goes out again to those investors. And then what I do is I'm on the phone with my attorney because we build a private placement for every project we do of this scale. 
And as I'm doing that, I'm working with the sponsor to put together the structure. And typically the structure is a separate entity that we stand up on each of our projects on a project by project basis. And each investor gets the opportunity to look at each of these projects. So we're not a fund. We raise money on a deal by deal basis. So when we go out to the investors, we raise the funds through the offering and through the available equity we want to bring in. And when we get to that point and we have them officially subscribed through the PPM, then we take those funds and we basically bring them in as a limited partner LLC under the management of the sponsor. So we're a class B limited partner under the sponsor under our designated limited liability corporation. And that comes into the project as LP money. The investors of that company that come in with us on that project on our side are in that entity as limited partners with a separate operating agreement that we structure where David and I are general partners. And when we bring the money over, the entity itself will be represented as an LP under management. So does that make sense? That does. It makes sense to me because I'm in the business. If you're not completely familiar with this, then you might need to rewind that. But yes, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I'm happy to go through that. Folks want to talk more about that offline. And again, we file with the SEC. We usually do a 506B for non-accredited and accredited or a 506C, which is just accredited only. And we file that through our attorney. And then what I do is when I bring the capital in, I give our investors typically a quarterly or a biannual update via the sponsor. The investors also have the opportunity to come out to the projects with me and tour them. And just so you know, real quick, the way we structure the returns, we set up a preferred equity return or a PREF with the sponsor, usually an 8 to 10% interest rate. And then we participate in profit splits. So on our projects, on these larger development and construction deals, we're in the deal till we start receiving our distributions when units start to sell. And as you know, the bank's always going to be king and they're going to get paid first. And then we get our returns off of the preferred interest rate. And then we also get our returns on the profit split. So in a perfect world, Joe, I'm making 25 to 30% annualized for the business. And I'm giving the investors about 60% of that. So they're getting about 15 to 20% plus per annum. And some of the things I build into our business model is we don't take any fees. And we give the investors the first 12% per annum on the returns, which is very rare. You don't see that. A lot of times, as you know, management companies are going to charge a fee or they're going to take something up front before they give any money back out to the investors. We don't do that. So we want to make sure the investors are comfortable because, as you know, equity is vulnerable to changes in the market. We're at the mercy of the bank. And obviously, if the bank comes in and has to liquidate the asset, whatever's left is what we get if there is anything. So those are the big risks. Also, as you know, being a limited partner, you don't have to be involved in the bank liability debt that the sponsor personally guarantees on. So when they personally guarantee the note, that being the sponsor, as a limited partner, we don't have to participate in that risk, which is huge. The big thing at risk is our capital. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? The two R's, relationships and reputation. Relationships are so important in our business. What I mean by that is really going out and when you're looking at what your focus is in your business, is going out and really working with those people that are like-minded, that you align with and are a good fit for your company and their company. And always thinking to yourself, how can I help them? Because if I can help them and I add value to them, they're going to be able to help me and add value to me. 
but you look at it as mutual respect and relationships. And reputations, to me, is you only get to burn a bridge once, right? So that, to me, is very important. Always be integrity-based business. Do what you say you're going to do and be transparent. Don't be afraid to share information to people that makes them feel more comfortable about your business. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. I'm ready. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Stessa is the essential tool for tracking your rental properties, and it's going to save you a tremendous amount of time during tax season. Stessa organizes all of your rental property financials and automatically creates all the reports you need to file your tax return. And Stessa teamed up with the top real estate CPAs to offer you, best ever listeners, the ultimate rental property tax guide to help you maximize your deductions. Get that copy when you sign up for an account that counts free. So get the copy by going to stessa.com forward slash best taxes. That's S-T-E-S-S-A dot com forward slash best taxes. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N.com forward slash show. Best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book I ever recently read? Rich Dad, Poor Dad with a close second of How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about? 20-unit roundup development in Washington, D.C. We brought in $750,000 of equity, and in 36 months, we made six hundred ninety k on the seven fifty. And still maintain the ownership, or you exited out with those amazing We problems. exited out of that one. Yeah. Yep, we exited that with about a 90% return. <laughs> What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Made a mistake on trusting someone that I thought I really knew well, and unfortunately, I gave him a lot of autonomy in the decision-making, didn't go look at the property, gave him all the money up front, didn't do draws, and I got burnt. So I had to take ownership of it. We foreclosed, we bought the property back, and we were able to actually flip it and make money on it. So it's good to learn a lesson and not get too hurt by it, but we definitely learned a lot from that one. Best ever way you like to give back? Best of a way to give back. Obviously, my faith is really important to me. So obviously, give back to my community. I'm an active member of my church and my community with my four kids and coaching. But I also love to help folks who need help with real estate, whether I can help them with a resource or a referral with hard money or with title services or just look at their deals. Sit down with them, go through the underwriting with them and see how I can help. So I'm always available and happy to do that. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on and get in touch with you? Absolutely. And I think you mentioned it. The best place is to reach out to me at my email address, which is my first initial J Rubino. And that's R-U-B as in boy, I-N-O at jidinvestments.com. And you can visit our website, like you said, jidinvestments.com. You got into the specifics of how you structure the deals and the type of deals that you do and how you focus on areas of strength so really appreciate it really enjoyed our conversation thank you so much for being on the show hope you have a best ever day and thank you for your service again john and we'll talk to you soon thanks joe i appreciate it best to you and your listeners and i'm excited to keep in touch thanks so much are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom the dwelling show with ola dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom Go listen at 
www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.